Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. Walt and I are glad you've joined us. My name is Brenda McCord. As we begin this journey through Psalms today, we will open our Bibles to a wisdom psalm, the first psalm. David is credited with penning this psalm, and in the Hebrew scriptures, Psalm 1 and 2 are actually combined together. Let's open our Bibles, or you can follow along as I read the first verse in Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Well, Brenda's already said Psalm 1 is a wisdom psalm, but it's also a psalm of blessing. Um, Blessed is the man, blessed is the woman. And it's directed towards uh, an individual person, the one who wants to live a righteous life. Blessed man is one who is fortunate. He's favored by God. And really, in the Hebrew, this psalm begins with blessed, oh, blessed. That double repetition to say, you want to be blessed? This is what you need to do. Blessed is this kind of woman. Blessed is this kind of man. But the psalm even takes a a, a little twist here because instead of telling you the positive things that this person does right off the bat, it starts with the things they don't do, which is really interesting and just would heighten this imagery. They don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. They don't stand in the path of sinners. They don't sit in the seat of scoffers. And what's interesting, these verses uh, contrasted with the righteous person, with the wicked and the ungodly person. Um, And there's development. uh, Walk, stand, sit. And as you present those three verbs, well, I'm reminded of different meetings that we go to. You know, sometimes you're walking down the hallway at the office and, you know, you're walking side by side and someone will be mentioning something about a work project and they'll say, can you send me such and such? Well, I always respond and say, could you send me an email to remind me about that? And it's just this casual kind of conversation as you walk down the hall. But then we'll have a stand-up meeting, and we actually call them that now, a stand-up meeting. And so there might be three, four, five people standing around for a few minutes. It's a very brief meeting. It's just a touch base on maybe some of the particulars. But it it involves a little more um, in. Uh, conversation, discussion about a particular project, an assignment that's coming up, an event in the future. But then when we have those formal sit-down meetings, they're on the calendar. It's you're to be in a certain room at a certain time. Come to the conference room and plan to be there for a while, an extended discussion. And that's what I'm hearing you say about these three verbs. Yes, there's a difference in the level of discussion. There's more intentionality, there's more focus, there's more commitment to the discussion. And the blessed man is one who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. I I love Proverbs 19.20 says this, Listen to godly counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. So not only does the blessed man not walk in the counsel of the wicked, he doesn't stand in the way of sinners. And, and this seemingly develops this thought of, 
of, of walking and now standing. And then lastly, nor does he sit in the seat of scoffers. And this word scoffers, a very interesting Hebrew word. Um, these are foolish sinners with a voice. And what they do with their voice is they encourage others to sin and they make fun of people that are living righteous lives. Um, there's a progressive deterioration towards more involvement in sinful living. That's the path of the wicked. But blessed is the man who does not do these things. And then verse 2 introduces this contrast, and this is the all-important conjunction, but, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Ah, that's what he does. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And really, these two words, delight and meditate, are really important words um, in our relationship with the Lord and, the, and his law, his word. Um, delight's an emotional word. It's a heartfelt and passionate. Um, there's an individual who doesn't just study God's word with his head, but he loves God's word with his whole heart. And then meditate is another interesting, it's an action verb. It requires effort and intentionality. Um, I remember cows, and they, cows do something called ruminate. Um, also, they get nourishment that they must chew their cud repeatedly. And, and an important distinction in this kind of meditation from Eastern mysticism is Eastern mysticism focuses on emptying your mind and hoping something comes in that's good. But biblical meditation is to fill your mind with the Word of God and go over it again and again and again. You know, these two words, delight and meditate, they, it, they just make me smile yeah. hearing you. You know, that blessed is the man that's happy. Oh, happy is that man who delights to find great satisfaction and pleasure, to meditate, to reflect, to think deeply. What? On the law of the Lord, this person will prosper. Well, you know, we've been married almost 40 years. Wow. <laughs> it's, wow. it's adding up. But uh, And we've lived in a number of homes, a number of states, and our boys always kind of uh, groan when we bring home a new tree to plant at our house. And I can think of different trees we've planted in the different homes we've lived. But we have always done that. And one tree in particular, when we lived up in Northwest Indiana, and we travel into Chicago to work at Moody, we planted a Japanese maple tree in the front corner of our home. And it was well, it was a beautiful tree, right. and we loved it. And it just was such a small tree when we planted it, and we tenderly cared, and we made sure that it was watered well, and it was nourished with uh, different plant food that was the right thing, because you know what to give them. And we loved watching it grow, and it would spread its branches in it actually is a gorgeous tree. We've driven by that house and it has grown to be a beautiful tree. And as we go into verse three, what this man, this blessed man that began in verse one, he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. 
oh to be firmly planted in order for that to happen and we saw that with trees that we've planted in texas they need that water until those roots go deep into the ground and can get to a source of water so being rooted and strong thinking about being firm to stand against the winds of life and those streams of water provide that refreshment that sustenance in drought and then that this tree yields its fruit in its season. And I always like to pause here because sometimes we think that if we're not producing fruit every day, each week, each month, that we're doing something wrong in our Christian walk as we're following the Lord and wanting to live a righteous life. We think we're doing something wrong, but this says yields its fruit in its season. So I always like to say, do we expect an apple tree to give oranges? Well, no, because that's not the apple tree. Its fruit is not an orange. And also apples grow when back in Pennsylvania, we're used to them in the fall. And then I think of going to Florida in the winter time and seeing grapefruit and oranges on the tree. And so that season is so important. And then that idea that the leaves don't wither, that that the tree is having enough water, enough nourishment, that even all the way out to the end of the branches and the twigs, the leaves are um, healthy and they aren't withered up, but they also are taking in from the sunlight and all that is around them. And then just that ending phrase, and in whatever he does, he prospers, eternal prosperity, not necessarily earth, not not looking at our bank accounts, not looking at what our house is and what our things are, but but considering our prosperity according to God's eyes as he looks at us and he prospers the righteous man. Chuck Swindoll shares this wise counsel. Let me encourage you to maintain a pure uncompromising walk delight yourself in his word and you will grow into a stable reliable spiritual tree there is no shortcut to spiritual growth and they thrive when they're planted firmly by streams of water Uh, when we go to israel we always start even in the first couple of days and we repeat it we use a phrase where there is water there is life. And there's three main sources of water. Uh, the one is a cistern, which can, uh, is stored water, but it also can be very, um, it can very um, brackish. And then there are wells, and, and depending on the well and how deep and what it's like, there's wells, but then there are streams. There are springs that spring out of the ground, and um, we always like taking people up to tell Dan, and, and we're watching the water just come right out from underneath this ancient city, and all around are these gorgeous trees that are so green and so lush and so big. Um, now, as we move into verses 4 and 5, uh, we present a sharp contrast. Um, verse 4, the wicked are not so. Ah, so now we're going to talk briefly about the wicked. That's not our focus. The focus is on the righteous. But you need to know what they're like. And this metaphor, they're like chaff which the wind drives away. They're worthless 
they're without substance. They're blown about by the wind, and they're destined to be burned up. Um, this winnowing process carries this idea of the worthless chaff being blown away. Uh, um, and because of this, therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment. Um, the wicked will not stand in the judgment in this world. The wicked will not stand in the judgment in the world to come. Um, nor will sinners be in the assembly of the righteous. They won't be allowed into the assembly of the righteous. They don't belong there. Hmm. They're wicked. Hmm. And verse 6 now presents actually a summary following this contrast. We saw in verse 3, they will be like a tree, but then 4 and 5 present the ungodly. They'll be like chaff. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. And now we have a summary in 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. And I want to pause there at this first phrase in verse 6. That word know here is the Hebrew word yada for an intimate or a personal knowledge. God knows intimately. He has that knowledge of what the way of his righteous. And this is not a casual word um, that we throw around. Oh, yeah, I know. I know all about that. I, you know, but in an intimate way, such as in a close relationship or having a very familiar understanding of someone or something. And even we see this in Genesis 4. Adam and Eve in, in in their marriage relationship, that intimate sexual relationship, it says, and Adam knew Eve and she brought forth Cain. And that is the word yada. And that uh, is a representation. The righteous have that personal relationship, a close relationship with the Lord, and he knows them. But that contrast word ends this and brings in this last sentence, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know, these six verses are packed full. There are two paths of life, the path of eternal life and the path of eternal punishment. And so we ask a question coming to the end of this psalm today. Do you know the path that you are walking on today. Yeah, yeah. And how can we apply the wisdom from this psalm in our daily lives? After we read and study a passage of scripture, we want to pause and ask ourselves the question, so what? What does this matter? How will it how will I act differently today at work, in school, with my family and friends? What will be different when I get up tomorrow morning? And so questions, who are your counselors? Who do you walk with? Who do you stand beside? Who do you go and sit down and seek their advice, their guidance, their counsel? This one, how is your spiritual tree? Yeah. Are the roots growing deep toward the source of living water? And how's your fruit lately? Is it in season? Are you feeling a little off? Does it seem like your leaves are withered? And then finally, do you need to change something in your daily schedule? Perhaps the people that you spend time with or to specifically schedule some quiet time each day when you can delight in his word 
and meditate in his word. And Psalm 1 has some great lessons for life. Um, The first is there's a way to live that receives the Lord's blessing, but it takes discipline and effort. It doesn't happen accidentally. Uh, You have to meditate. You have to delight in God's word. You have to have focus. And there's a way that to live that seems easy and right, but it results in death. Mm. I love when Jesus is talking about these two paths, and the one is wide, and lots of people are going on it. But there's a more narrow path that's harder, but yields um, great rewards. And, and the way we live for the Lord determines our blessing from the Lord. Um, salvation is by God's grace through personal faith. Um, read Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not as a result of yourself, not a result of works, lest any man can boast. And, and their rewards for faithfulness lived out for Christ. I, I love the passage in 1 Corinthians 3 where it talks about the rewards and just reminds us, um, Jesus even reminded us, um, there's a mansion waiting and prepared for us. There are rewards coming. Well, this first psalm is filled with wisdom and godly counsel. Walk with the Lord. Delight in his word and meditate on it day and night. You will be like trees with strong roots, drinking from the source of living water. You will bear fruit. You will prosper. The Lord watches over the path of the godly. And that's a wonderful promise for each of us as we begin our journey through Psalms. Until next time, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.